What's up, players? Welcome to episode number 83 of Ready Press Play, your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of video games. Every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific or 9 a.m. Eastern Time, we'll discuss the top news of the week, notable releases on all platforms while we're playing big topics on the industry and the games we love. If you want to write anything to be read in the show, go to readyplaynetwork.com or hit us up at Ready Press Play on Twitter or TikTok. No matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed so you can get every new show directly to your advice as soon as it posts. And if you like it, please leave us a nice review. This is August 13, 2021. I'm your host, Dan Lima, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Luis Menchaca. You know, Dan, I kept my promise. What was your promise again? Oh my God, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> did you promise uh, yeah. you were going to play a game? Yes, I did. I did. Per and I did. Perf perfect week to do it because I got news for you, Luis. Uh, we were not going to be doing everything. We are not going to be doing a game a game impression segment today. <laughs> I know exactly. Um, you know that's the second time in a row where like we're not doing impressions <laughs> and like I played a game. <laughs> you know what? What did you play? <laughs> Tell me right now. Give it to me. Uh, I'm pretty sure you played it already. It was uh, a short hike. Oh, I actually have not. It's in my list. I've heard so many good things about this game. I own it in probably multiple platforms at this point, but I have not played it yet. Did you like it? Yeah. I actually, uh, I beat like I'm pretty sure I got to the part where I rolled credits, but because I don't, I don't really know. It's kind mm -hmm. of like ambiguous as far as like I think there's only one task to do, and it's really easy to do. You can, you can get to that task really quickly. But like, the game is about exploration. It's basically like Breath of the Wild meets Animal Crossing, mm -hmm. and it's very like cozy. It's a very awesome game, and uh, uh, yeah, I, I really like the game. And it's like I looked at the how to beat. Dot com and I, I I strategically picked a game that you can really beat in one sitting, <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh, you can beat the game in like two hours and you can you can complete it in four. Mm -hmm. So cool, yeah. cool, cool, nice, nice. I definitely got to check that one out at some point. There's so many indie games that I keep hearing about now, like like either from recent years, like I think a short hike is from either last year or the year before. Uh, but then also like Death's Door is one that just came out that I keep hearing really good things about. Um, and there's a few others in the horizon right now. I know that 12 Minutes is about to come out, which we're both very excited for. And we're going to be reading about later in this episode. Um, but, you know, something that Louis alluded to here when we just talked about it real quick is that we want to change things up a little bit. We're messing around with the format of the show. We want to try to get the show a little bit more concise because we really value our listeners time. And at the same time, because it also makes our time a little bit easier as well. Like the longer the show gets, the longer we're recording, the longer it takes to edit and all that stuff. So not only we're trying to make the show a little bit more concise, we're trying to kind of get rid of possibly wasteful uh, segments. Like sometimes we st stick to a format where we want to have the segment there every week. Uh, and in some occasions, we're not really even passionate about what we're talking about, but we're just trying to cover the segment or, you know, we're talking about gaming impressions when we didn't really play anything. So we're just kind of trying to fill time for 10 minutes. Um, and we don't want to do that anymore. So I'm trying. <laughs> Basically, you know, this is where this is Dan's way of saying that he hates uh, Battle Bus. <laughs> no, that's that, that's not that's not what this is really about. Like, oh, like this is all experimental. So, like today, it's still going to be mostly the same format, but you might notice a few changes. Um, and then, you know, over the next few weeks, probably between now and the end of the year, we're probably going to be playing around with it a little bit more. We already did a test run of something else, you know, a while ago. Um, we want to try to figure out kind of the format that works best for the show. So we're still we're still kind of figuring that out. I mean, I, we're, we've only been doing this for like eighty three episodes anyway, you know. So. <laughs> 
Yeah. Speaking of which, episode 84 uh, is going to be a uh, a DLC episode. We're going to, for those that don't know, if you guys don't like listen to us enough or that far back or whatever, uh, DLC episodes is basically a topic of the show for the entire episode. And next week's topic uh, on discussion is going to be like the top, the best games of the 90s. It's Ready Press Play's best games of the 90s. Uh, so we've done that topic before with the 2000s and then the 2010s. Go back to our podcast feed to listen to it there. But it's going to be our first uh, regular DLC that's not a spoiler cast that's recorded. So, And it's canon. Yep. So. yep. That will be dropping next week, which means we won't be covering the news next week. But we will try to cover as much as we can the week after that, uh, which means that I'll probably be obsessively working on the doc for a really long time. And we'll pro- <laughs> we're probably going to have like 25 extra news or something like that. But we'll see. We'll see how that shakes and you're up. Not, you're, you're not allowed to work on the dock in the meantime. Like you have to take the week off and don't even <laughs> don't even go to Google yes. Drive and yes. just enjoy your week off. I'm gonna be scrolling through Feedly for like 20 hours once I'm back. But um, anyway, uh, Lewis, there's more updates on this abandoned thing, on this abandoned story. This this is like a a sub segment within our housekeeping segment right now, um, which is that you know every week it feels like there's more news about this. This time. We finally got to the point where they were going to release the weird teaser demo app and then it didn't work out like everybody was like preloading it and getting ready for it. And then the rollout didn't happen. They delayed it again. Uh, I don't remember if they gave it like an actual like date for the delay now or if it's just delayed indefinitely. But this saga still continues. We still don't know what this game is. That is correct. And uh, yeah, I saw I I read through this article and I'm like, really technical issues? Come on. That's not that's (laughs) that is. Okay, conspiracy theory time. I, I don't know. Like, conspiracy theory says that they were something happened on the back end that it wasn't some kind of glitch. It was some kind, some kind of like gar- some kind of trash fire that happened. It's like, okay, whoa, 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 we got to stop, stop, stop. Like, that's like whenever mm-hmm. they say stop the presses, and then like the like the machinery just comes to a halt. I don't know. This kind of seems like a situation where like you just can't, you know, the momentum on a train. You know, once the train gets moving, there's, there's, uh, you can't just, you know, put a stop to it really, really easily. So I don't know. It just, one thing that really bugs me is if there, if there really was footage to be debuting at this time, if there really was, uh, they would have a date that would say, okay, um, September 1st, you know what I mean? That gives Mm. us plenty of time to work whatever issues is happening because some footage has to be ready. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is starting to get really weird to the point where I don't know how I feel about it anymore. Like, because I, I almost feel like if Kojima was behind this, he would like things would have happened more smoothly. Right. Like, I feel like he would have known how to handle the situation in a better way. Um, and it feels a little messy right now. So I I don't know. I think your original theory about this being more of a Kojima's apprentice, you know, like unwarranted apprentice, unwanted apprentice <laughs> um, might be more of what what this actually is at this point. At least we got like a little footage of uh, um, of someone walking in a shadow. By the way, so yeah. By the way, Apparently, just for the for the for the viewers, uh, Dan can't can no longer see my screen anymore, unfortunately. So yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, we've we've had plenty of technical issues recently. Some of the episodes have suffered because of that, but hopefully we're trying to address them. And uh, I think today is going to be a good episode, despite the fact that Luz and I do have a little bit of a delay. But I think we can kind of, if we expect it, we can work around it. Yes. And then also, um, just uh, one last thing I wanted to say about this. Um, actually, hold on. Let me try to think. I feel like I lost my train of thought on this one, but there's just, I, I definitely do call bullshit though. There's definitely something. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now I remember what I was going to say. What if <clears throat> this is some kind of like four dimensional chess here? All right. 
speculation, mm-hmm. right? What if this is some kind of like ARG where the delay was planned? Like it's some kind of thing where we're supposed <laughs> to know that, okay, uh, in 39 hours after this happened, this happened. So this coincides with something that we're supposed to later figure out that we need to know, oh. like historical notes. Somebody needs to take some notes and take some hours, take some minutes in here. Because that's, yeah, yeah. that's like the next level ish that I can think of if this is some like Kojima apprentice thing going on. There you go. Good, You're welcome. Good point. Good point. Good point. Who knows? Who knows at this point? I know that even uh, Shuhei Yoshida was tweeting about this. By the way, he uh, he just kind of quote tweeted it, and then he had like just a really long hum, like just a <laughs> hum, and with a bunch of m's or something. So it's like something something's weird. Uh, and then a really quick one is that we mentioned this Pokemon Go story last week about how they were kind of removing the pandemic. Uh, like Niantic was removing the measures that they had originally implemented to make the game more playable during the pandemic. Uh, and fans were pretty upset about that. Uh, Niantic did issue a response. Uh, their response, they're not really saying anything too substantial. Uh, they say, we have heard your input loud and clear. This towards the end of the letter. And so to address the concerns you have raised, we are taking the following actions. We are assembling an internal cross-functional team to develop proposals designed to preserve our mission of inspiring people to explore the world together while also addressing specific concerns that have been raised regarding interaction distance. So they're basically saying that they're starting to plan and create a group that they can that can develop like research and pursue a solution, but they don't have a solution yet. They don't have a very clear, like, yeah, we're putting the measures back in or anything like that. So um what do you think about this response, Lewis? This this response could have been much more shorter. We could they could have just said, "We're sorry, we're reverting yeah. back." Like that's yeah. as, that's as easy. It's that easy. You don't have to make a a whole le- open letter to the community and say a lot of PR mumbo jumbo that no one really wants to hear. Okay, so uh, the this uh, this does seem like a half step. This doesn't seem like what was desired from what I'm looking at. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. So uh, we'll see. We'll keep following the story and see where it goes uh, from there. Uh, we know that COVID cases are rising again, at least in the United States, um, which sucks. And uh, we hope that things get under control soon and that uh, cases start going down again soon. Uh, Lewis, let's get started with our topics of discussion. You know, honestly, I could have just as easily played uh, the topic of the show jingle. That's true. That's true. We could have gone either way with that. We could have gone either way with that. So um, the first topic of discussion that we have here uh, is a story from VGC. Hideo Kojima says he's worried about a future without physical media. This was reported by Andy Robinson. Uh, and and really the meat of the of the situation here is just these uh, these tweets from Kojima that I just think are interesting to kind of talk about and uh, have it be a, a good topic of conversation. He says, eventually, even digital data will no longer be owned by individuals on their own initiative. Whenever there is a major change or accident in the world, in a country, in a government, in an idea, in a trend, access to it may suddenly be cut off. We will not be able to freely access the movies, books, and music that we have loved. I would I would be a have-not. That's what I'm afraid of. This is not greed. Um, let me uh, bring in the report here so that I can maybe bring some uh, some more context to this as well. Uh, the designer committed to purchasing uh, physical movies, books, and music due to his concern over digital rights and whether consumers could suddenly lose access to their digital libraries in the future due to some unforeseen event. Uh, CDs will be gone soon. When I think about it, I still buy them even though I have them in bulk, Kojima wrote. Eventually, even digital data, and we already covered that part. Um, let's see here. Digital game adoption has seen a significant boost in recent years, partly influenced by the COVID-19 pandemic. The market was transitioning towards digital before 2020, but with many high street stores closed last year due to the pandemic, this looks to have accelerated the shift towards downloads. 
two-thirds of games sold in the UK last year were purchased digitally. That's according to a gamesindustry.biz analysis of uh, market data. So, Lewis, um, we did a digital versus physical uh, topic of the show. I think early in our, you know, in our Ready Press Play's history, I think it was within its first maybe like six months, if I remember correctly. Uh, so it's been about a year since we did that. Uh, how do you feel about the stuff now? Like, do you do you agree with Kojima? Do you think that, you know, what's going on is inevitable and we're going to move on to digital anyway? Or You know, it's actually kind of interesting. Like, <clears throat> I always wanted to, like, say, like, you know, let's make everything digital. Let's 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 move forward. You know, no one needs to like, you know, kids, elementary school kids don't even practice your handwriting. You're not even going to you're not even going to need it as an adult, you know, that kind of thing. But honestly, mm-hmm. like uh, there there uh, there I've encountered a lot of situations where like analog is definitely has advantages and stuff like that. There are times where you just don't like when, when you're out in like some rural area, you don't have signal. You don't have, you know, access to the Internet just so easily. Um there's always going to be a situation where it's like, oh, yeah, there's, you know, what if there's like a blackout, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So sometimes just having an actual bookshelf with actual like things like physical, tangible media is going to be better than having access or having convenient access to something that's digital, which, by the way, there's always there's that discussion about ownership and stuff like that, because really you're just licensing a digital copy. You're not actually owning it. But yeah, like basically like the older I get, the more I'm I become more uh, tactile as far as feeling that having something uh, tangible is going to have advantages. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is uh, my feelings on this have evolved in so many different ways where, you know, at some points I was ready to go all digital. At some points I started gravitating more towards physical. Uh, And more recently, I have gotten more interested in owning physical goods, especially in the case of video games. Uh, But I have been thinking about the fact that Physical media is not immortal. Like, sometimes we like to treat it as if it is, right? Like, as if, like, you know, well, if I have a game on uh, on PlayStation digitally, especially through PS Plus or something, that could go away at any moment. If my subscription lapses uh, or otherwise, you know, if when Sony shuts down their servers, I may lose access to that game or at least lose access to um, download it or whatever. There's all these issues. Um, games have been removed from storefronts many times. Uh, But it's not like the games that you have on your shelf are going to last forever either. In fact, there was a subject, there was a different story that we talked about a while here, uh, a while ago here, that a lot of the 3DS, DS cartridges are expected to stop working over the next decade or so, right? Which is terrifying for people that are collecting these games. Um, So I don't know to which point, like when we're going to hit some kind of apocalypse time frame where everything, you know, like all like DVDs and Blu-rays and all this other stuff just stops working. Um, but considering that that will likely happen eventually, what is the solution here? I, I've been thinking about it, and I wonder if the solution is not to um, remain on physical media, but perhaps to figure out ways that we can evolve digital distribution so that it is more fair and does not run into the issues that it runs into right now. Like, is it possible that we can get to a point, like, what needs to happen for us to get to a point where... Once I buy a game digitally, I will own it forever and be able to play it forever. You know what I mean? That's a whole like rights management thing conundrum mm-hmm. on, in and of itself. I mean, we talk about even like GTA f- uh, 4 getting patched with the, the music patched out. You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, we, we just recently talked about how Forza, uh, Forza Motorsport oh, yeah. 7 is, is about to get removed from storefronts as well. 
or even like things like a, like a Destiny or a No Man's Sky that, or games that operate online like over like Overwatch when they're it doesn't matter if you own the disc, you know, it's just mm-hmm. there's nothing to connect to, therefore the game is kind of moot. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting. That's like that's an interesting thing uh, uh, thought experiment to talk about. Like you know, you know, we have like ancient scrolls from thousands of years ago that we sort of are able to like use to like you know study like you know older civilizations that. You know what? That's mm-hmm. that's an interesting thing about how do how do you uh, consider like what someone a thousand years from now who's an anthropologist studying us? You know what remnants or what what will they have as far as like do you know are our servers going to stay continually to be backed up and to continue to continuously to be backwards compatible so that all the data, all the PDFs, all the data just you know is readily accessible on some kind of holodeck library that they can you know read our stuff you know, or or see even this podcast mm-hmm. or whatever you know so. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think about that sometimes, too. Like, if somebody stumbles uh, upon a pile of NES cartridges 100 years from now, are they going to be able to do anything with it? Or is it basically going to be trash at that point? You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> that's why That's why I kind of been thinking about the fact that, like, maybe the solution is not in uh, is sticking to the old ways, but it's in figuring out how we can evolve uh, digital media moving forward. Um, and we can only hope that companies like Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo will try to figure that out. Definitely not Nintendo. Maybe Microsoft. So, all right, let's move on to our second topic here. Uh, So we got two indie showcases that uh, that happened uh, over the last week. We got an Xbox indie showcase and a Nintendo indie world. Uh, The Nintendo one is the more more recent one. So I'm going to go through this one first. Uh, as reported by Polygon here, they 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 did a wrap up of everything. Uh, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk is coming to the Switch. Uh, this is developed by Team Reptile from Lethal League, uh, and it's a graffiti skating adventure in the style of Sega's beloved and stylish Jet Set Radio games. Uh, it's coming to the Switch in 2022. Loop Hero is coming to the Switch. I remember this game uh, being big in some other platforms before. Uh, it is a card-based RPG where you build the world for a hero's adventure, place enemies, buildings, and terrain, earn loot, and fight the time-looping lich that terrorizes you. Shovel Knight's new game is coming to the Switch as well. Um, the, it, the character will explore a new genre in Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeons, a puzzle dungeon crawler from Yakla Games and Vine. Pocket Dungeon was really previously announced, but a Switch version and Amiibo support is now confirmed. Uh, Tetris Effect, Toem, and Metal Slug Tactics, Tactics are all coming to the Switch. The surprisingly emotional puzzle game Tetris, Tetris Effect, already released on PS4, Windows PC, and Xbox One, is coming to the Switch. Uh, it's the connected version, which was previously exclusive to the Xbox. Uh, it includes competitive and cooperative m- multiplayer. Nintendo also confirmed ports of the adorable, adorable black and white photography adventure Toem and Metal Slug, but this time it's turn-based Metal Slug Tactics for the Switch. Uh, and I'll only read the headlines for the next few here. Chucklefish's S-Ward comes to the Switch next month. Uh, Axiom Verge 2 and six other indies are out on Switch now. Actually, this is probably the 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 headliner here. Axiom Verge 2, the long-awaited sequel prequel to Thomas Hap's Metroidvania Axiom Verge from 2015, is out today. After multiple delays, uh, it hits the Nintendo Switch eShop, as well as the PlayStation Store and the Epic Game Store. Also newly available on the Nintendo Switch as of August 11th, our Boyfriend Dungeon, Necrobarista Final Power, Garden Story, Islander, Console Edition, Slime Rancher, Portable Edition, and Curious Expedition 2. So, Lewis, anything here that tickles your fancy? Well, I'm just genuinely surprised that they were able to get away with uh, stealth dropping such a big indie game in Axiom Verge. Yeah, uh, 100%. 
But yeah, no, I did see like on my feeds how like people were suddenly popping up with reviews of Axiom Verge and Let's Plays and stuff. And I'm like, oh, snaps. Uh, so yeah, that just sort of, you know, hit me out of left field. And uh, yeah, uh, as far as Chucklefish, uh, Chucklefish is the developer of uh, Stardew Valley, if I'm not mistaken, right? Oh, uh, okay. Okay. I think yeah. you might be right. So isn't like, I'm pretty sure Eastward would be like a... A pretty major game announcement, I would imagine. In case, unless if that's if I'm right about Chucklefish, like if their name has that kind of cachet with people. Uh, yeah, I did. I didn't immediately recognize it, uh, but but after you mentioned it, and now looking at the description here, it's the publisher behind Stardew Valley, Risk of Rain, Starbound, and War Groove has a new role playing game coming called Eastward. First announced at an indie world in 2019, it will let players journey through the society on the brink of collapse and adventure into the unknown. This looks pretty good. This looks like yeah, a really like this, solid RPG. I'm looking at this trailer. These graphics look pretty good for uh, for like a, a sprite-based kind of indie game. Like there's there's a cool effect going on. I don't, I'm guessing it's a cutscene, but still, mm-hmm. it's uh, it looks pretty nice, I, I, I will admit. Uh, and I remember something that was kind of interesting about Axiom Verge 2 that I heard the, the developer talk about. Um, is that I believe uh, he talked about how in the first game, a lot of people dropped the game because they would get stuck in uh, bosses. So I think he's doing, there's like some accessibility feature in this game where you could completely skip the bosses or something along those lines. Um, so I think yep. that's kind of cool. Um, Tetris Effect has my uh, my thumbs up. Um, it's a really good game. I am obsessed with Tetris. Uh, and Loop Hero looks pretty interesting. I heard pretty good things about that. I obviously, I love Shovel Knight. I've talked about it, but I don't know about this one. This looks like, I don't know. This looks like it's kind of like a mobile game version of Shovel Knight, right? Yeah. It looks like, uh, it looks like one of those like match three to like, like, uh, it looks like Candy mm-hmm. Crush with the Shovel Knight code on it is what it looks like. Uh, yeah, I'm not feeling it. Um, but also, I don't know, like, I, re- I really, I really want to say to Yacht Club games, like, I think they need to do better job of doing franchise care for Shovel Knight and because it almost kind of feels like they're diminishing their brand because mm. the more they put Shovel Knight into things that are a little sus, um, then, um, you know, it's just going to diminish the Shovel Knight brand. You know, Mar- like Nintendo takes care to make sure that Mario is only in good quality stuff. And mm. then for the most part, um, and then like when I see like basically Shovel Knight being hoard out to like all these, uh, all these games, it's like, oh, Shovel Knight's guest starring in this, in this indie game. And like, that's cool. And on at first that was exciting and stuff like that to see Shovel Knight and Rumbo and then like in uh, Rivals mm-hmm. of Ether and stuff. But then as uh, out of like nowhere, it just kind of seems like any indie developer can get Shovel Knight in their games. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of what it, it feels it like. It feels like they're they're going through that kind of evolutionary process that Nintendo also went through in the past, where it's like, hey, we got a character as popular as a cool character. Let's try to uh, make it so that everybody knows this brand. Let's try to market our brand the best we can. Let's put it everywhere. Um, and I think it has probably helped them uh, make sure that you know Shovel Knight becomes an iconic, recognizable character. I think most people that are into the gaming sphere nowadays would probably have heard of Shovel Knight or at least seen his silhouette and stuff. Uh, and I think that's a success in that front. So maybe the next step now will be that they're going to rein it in a little bit and try to, uh, you know, try, try to be a little bit more careful. But, you know, you got to admit, like, there's not that many huge mascots that have come out of games over the last 10 years. And Shovel Knight is definitely up there, right? True, true. Yeah. Ukulele wishes they were the, they were the next Shovel Knight, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, now, let's talk about the Xbox One. I got the VGC article here. Uh, this one was written by Tom Ivan. Uh, the second Xbox and Twitch indie games showcase took place on Tuesday, and it was used to shine a spotlight on almost 
uh, spotlight on almost 30 upcoming titles. The two-hour stream, which you can rewatch here, featured new trailers, gameplay demos, and developer interviews. Of the games shown at today's event, six will be available on Xbox Game Pass, including Library of Arena, which is out today. The other five titles headed to Xbox Game Pass are Aragami 2, Artful Escape, Ev Evil Genius 2, Paparazzi, and Stardew Valley. I thought Stardew Valley was already in Game Pass, actually. Yeah, me too. Uh, Another game shown and released for Xbox today is the console version of Sam and Max Save the World Remastered. Uh, below are rounded up a selection of trailers for games featured in today's event. Uh, I'm just going to read the titles here. They got Aeon Drive from Two Awesome Studios, Unveil from Action Square, Aragami 2 from Lensworks, Artful Escape from Beethoven and Dinosaur, Button City from Subliminal, Evil Genius 2 from Rebellion Interactive, Inculinati from Yaza Games, Lab Rat from Chump Squad, Library of Arena from Project Moon, Lightyear from Tear from Frame Break, Loot River from Straka Studio, Mad Streets from Craft Shop Arts, Oli Oli World from Private Label, Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous from Alcat, Planet of Lana from Wishfully, Paparazzi from Kid Fox Games, RPG Time from Deskworks, Sable from Shedworks, Sam and Max Save the World Remaster from Skunk Cape Games, Should Dreams Elsewhere from Studios of Air, Solast State from Vivid Foundry, Soup Pot from Chicken Club, Space Lines from The Far Out from Coffee Notes, uh, Stardew Valley from Concerned Ape, The Big Con from Mighty Yell Studios, The Veil Shadow of the Crown from Falling Squirrel, The Wandering Village from Stray Vaughn. I will say once I started reading those names, I didn't realize I would be reading them for that long. Yeah, I was going to say I could tell, I could hear like your, the intonation in your voice of you instantly <laughs> regretting yourself. Like the more titles you read, the more you regret it. You know, at, at some point I was like, there's, there's probably like 10 of them here. And then as I was going through and I was it's looking the, at the little them. scroll bar, I was like, oh, wait, no, it's going to be more. Uh, I can't I can't go back now. I got I just got to keep going. Um you know what? Let me to, let me tell you this yeah. right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna play this YouTube video for Planet of Lana because this is the only thumbnail that actually got my attention. I was actually gonna give a shout out to that one. Um, I did not watch this uh, showcase. I mean, they, there's too many of those. It's it's hard to keep track, and they're all too long too. But I did watch some during E3, and a lot of those games are familiar to me because a lot of those games I saw on the indie showcases at E3 as well. Uh, and Planet Planet of Lana was one of the ones that uh, that really stood out to me that I even made a note about on my phone. So I'm watching the trailer as we speak, by the way, and uh, this is giving me like uh, like some a little bit of Ori and the Blind Forest kind of vibes to it already. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's got a different, completely like different like watercolor like pastel like art style going on. And uh, yeah, like this reminds me of not just Ori, but uh, it's like a mixture of Ori and something else. But I can't think of what the other thing is that's reminding me of. But yeah, this looks interesting. Uh, I have a few other shout outs, actually. Loot River was one as well that uh, that looked pretty good. I'm trying to avoid playing the videos on my uh, on my side right now because the volume is so goddamn loud for some reason. Um, and I'm in a MacBook and I don't I'm like completely incompetent with a MacBook. So I don't know how to like, like lower the sound the YouTube video. Like, I know, but then, like, the first second I always plays and it's so loud that it hurts my <laughs> ears and it's getting caught up, caught by the mic. Oh. Um, so I, I was trying to figure out how I can, like, lower the volume off, like, the, what is it called, like, the the internet browser. But anyway, either way, Loot River has my shout out. That one looked pretty interesting as well. Um, I think there's a few other ones here that I, that I wanted to mention. The Wandering Village was one that was kind of interesting that I saw at a different, uh, it's basically like a like like little uh, RPG management game or you're within the city, kind of like, you know, like like your island in Animal Crossing or something. But that village is in, on top of this 
giant reptile monster thing um so it's you are both interacting with the things that are happening in your village as well as things that are happening in the outside world as this monster is moving around um i wasn't super wild about it but it's definitely an interesting concept but yeah there i'm sure there's something for everybody in here so i recommend everybody checks it out and the wandering village reminds me of xenoblade chronicles Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, like, but in Xenoblade Chronicles, like they were like two giant like kaiju's that were that fought each other to a stalemate. So they're standing still, but the people and Shulkin, <laughs> everyone's living on the backs of these giant kaiju's and stuff. And now it's just the same thing, but now they're moving. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, all right, let's move on to the next topic here. Unless you have any final shout outs, Lewis. Nah, you're good. Cool. So we got some details about Gamescom. Uh, coming back this year, I think still happening remotely, though. Uh, Gamescom adds Konami, Fall Guys Studio, Mediatonic, and more to its lineup. Once again, from VGC, once again, from Tom and Vaughn. Uh, we're getting new friends of the show. Um, Gamescom 2021 organizers have announced the latest additions to the show's lineup, including Konami and Mediatonic, the studio behind Fall Guys. Um, additional Gamescom partners revealed on Monday include Daydelic from Tier Developments, Konami, Mediatonic, Netmarble, Pearl Abyss Corp, and Smilegate West. In a separate press release, Konami promised to deliver new announcements and content for the recently revealed eFootball, as well as trading card game Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel. Mediatonic, which was acquired by Epic Games in March, launched Fall Guys Season 5 on July 20th, so it could potentially announce details of the title's mid-season update at Gamescom. Other top international companies confirmed to be participating in Gamescom include 505 Games, Activision, Aerosoft, Assemble Entertainment, Astragon Entertainment, Bandai Namco, Bethesda, EA, Game Evo, Come to Us, Europe, Head Up, Indie Arena Booth, Coke Media, Next Studio, Stanson Games, Sega Europe, Team 17, Thunderful Games, Ubisoft, Wargaming, and Xbox. And then I also brought in this other article here from Andy Robinson, also for The Verge, that says that Xbox has confirmed its plans for the all-digital Gamescom event later this month, including a live-streamed event on August 24th. The official Gamescom 2021 Xbox stream will start at 10 a.m. Pacific time and offer in-depth updates from some of our previously announced Xbox Game Studios titles, alongside some of our third-party partners, as well as news on titles coming to Xbox Game Pass. Xbox Game Studios will likely use the event to provide updates on upcoming 2021 games, such as Forza Horizon 5 and Halo Infinite. Um, and yeah, so, you know, we're slowly getting some more information from Games, Gamescon. Uh, in addition, Xbox also points to the August 25th opening night live uh, in its show plans brief, which could suggest that the platform holder will also feature some of its games during the Jeff Keighley hosted show. Uh, so, Louis, do you think that uh, this event is something we should care about? Do you think we're going to get you know, worthwhile stuff from Gamescom this year or no? I hope so. Like this, mm. uh, this kind of sort of like makes it feel like this is like the cards that Xbox was holding back during E3 because everyone was talking about how, um, uh, damn, name of the game. Uh, damn it. Uh, damn it. Damn it. Hellblade. What's the very first game that they, uh, that they announced? Hellblade. Yes. That's the one I'm saying. I couldn't remember the name. Oh uh, yeah. So Hellblade's, uh, Hellblade 2. Uh, Senwa's Sacrifice 2, presumably. <laughs> is, uh, I think it's called... Game- Sanua Saga? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's what it was. I completely forgot they even gave it a sub- the subtitle. Uh, but yeah, that. Um, so they the one game that they held back there was uh, was Hellblade. They didn't give a release date for, for Halo. As a matter of fact, they really only showed like the multiplayer in action. They didn't show any campaign, anything. Uh, except for like quick, mm-hmm. like little overwide shots or whatever that just kind of like zoomed right past. Uh, so I would say like an actual like uh, cinematic trailer, like not a cinematic, like cinematic, like CGI, but like 
campaign trailer uh, is what I'm expecting. So that's two big like uh, things that's like locked and loaded right there. And then of course, I guess you could do some more Forza. I think they already did. They showed plenty of Forza in my opinion during E3, but pretty much anything that they were holding back on, they can just basically like do like a blitz that can uh, help them go into the fall. Like everyone buzzing about Xbox. Yeah, yeah, agree. I I think that it will be interesting to see. Like I I definitely think Jeff Keighley seems like he's getting um more and more power in the games industry in a way as time goes by like at this point we have you know a jeff keely show in the summer we have a jeff keely show in the fall we have a jeff keely show in the winter it's almost like he has something going on every quarter and he is able like you know love the shows or not like he is able to bring a lot of different companies together and give him stuff to reveal during e3 he did review um, what's the name of the game again? The George R. R. Martin game that everybody was crazy about. Um, I just right. blanked on it. You you can uh, <laughs> let's see here. All right, you can it, you can vamp it. Elden Ring, Elden Ring, ah. Elden Ring. Um, so you know maybe he can pull some of that off again for Gamescom opening night live this year, and then with Xbox having their showcase, I feel like Xbox has kind of figured out how to make the the almost like the perfect press conference as far as a format goes goes and they still had a lot of content like you said that we didn't get on their e3 event well we did not get a lot of release dates you know we saw a lot of 2022s but for some other stuff that's supposedly coming up you know sooner than that we didn't get any release dates uh such as halo infinite we didn't get to fable. see hellblade right we didn't get we don't know anything about fable right there's or, a few uh, other projects that are missing um perfect dark Perfect Dark, yeah. So there is an opportunity for them to wow us again, like maybe show, like, I just hope that that it's not just round two of the same games that we already saw. Oh, no. Like, there's a... I would be yeah, disappointed. That would be disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we'll see, you know, like, hopefully they'll, they'll, they'll pull some cards out of their sleeve and we'll see, like, some updates to those games that we already saw, but then also, you know, at least four or five new things that we haven't seen in a while. Uh, maybe they have some other big surprise, because some of their studios... We still don't know what they're working on. They they some of the studios in their big Xbox family right now, we still don't know what they're working on. So maybe maybe we'll find out. Now let me ask you this, Dan. Am I am I going too hard when I'm just like we named off like Fable and Perfect Dark and all that stuff and Hellblade 2? Like, do you think and now this cause as I was saying all these things, that that uh that's expectation. And then the second thing is mm-hmm. it reminded me of a retweet that you did. Whenever there was the Nintendo <laughs> indie showcase, and then Nintendo fans be like, and then like, I, I want Metroid Prime, I want Legend of Zelda, I want da da da. You know what I mean? Like that is yeah. basically like just sort of like pointing the finger back at me on this one. But what do you think? Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, it's it's definitely wishful thinking at this point, but I think we can hope. It's one of those things like we can guess like 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 all the all the ones that you said uh but if they only if they give us only one of those i think that's good you know if they if they give us a good look at hellblade 2 if they give us something more on fable i think the one that they need to fulfill the most is a release date for halo infinite because that one is past due right yes. that one is the homework that's past due that uh they haven't given yet and then once they give that one then anything else after that becomes a bonus and if we get at least one cool bonus thing be it Hellblade or Fable or Everwild or any of these other things, then I think that's enough to be happy for now. What if what, like, what if I were to tell you that, uh, how would you feel if we don't find out what Halo's release date is until sometime in October? That I, be- I mean, it's possible. <laughs> it's possible, right? So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. We'll find out. That'd be hilarious. Um, now, All Lewis, right. for our next topic, I want to talk about Fortnite. All right? So... 
First, I want to say that uh, Louis and I kind of played Fortnite for the first time since the last week together, right? Which oh, yeah. I got I gotta, right. I gotta start by kind of giving the the details of how this happened. So every Friday night, uh, or most Friday nights, sometimes we skip it. Uh, I've gotten into the habit of playing Fortnite with two of my Brazilian friends um, that, you know, live in Brazil. We uh, get on a call together. Um, funny enough, Louis, you would never guess the app that we use to do our call together, by the Is way. Is it Discord? Because we It's not Discord. We do it on Google Hangout. <laughs> oh, We're wow. probably the only people left in the world that would, that would use that. And the reason is almost accidental. It's because when we first scheduled to do it, I created a Google Calendar event and I sent it to them like like I do for our podcast recordings, actually. Uh, I don't know if you use Google Calendar, but I use it a lot. Uh, and by doing that, Google automatically created like a Hangout Room link oh uh, on, the, on the event, right? Uh, and so the first time that we did it, we just all like... Uh, like one of my friends was like, oh, I clicked the hangout link. Where are you guys? And then I just joined my other friend joined. And then we just kept kept doing it that way for like the last six months or whatever, however long we've been doing this. Oh, my um, God. Um, so I want to say that first. And then we, we speak in Portuguese. So uh, it's not really about the game. Like we get in, we're talking about our lives, whatever, like high school memories, all sorts of random stuff. Right. Uh, and then randomly, like Lewis joins our party. Then my friends are immediately like, who is this Chakalaka guy? What is this? <laughs> um, and I say, oh, I know him. He's my friend. Uh, and then we start text or actually I start listening Lewis through the game. Like I start texting him. And then I did ask my friends and not to put them on the spot or anything. But I was like, oh, like, can I can I throw him in the in the hangout with us? And then they were basically like, ah, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to have to try and speak English and like all of this stuff. And like, ah, I just want you know, it's like late at night. And we're just kind of like laying here, chilling out. Like, I, I don't know. This dude's probably good. You know, he's he's gonna want to like do like you know like teach us how to play the game or like teach us tactics or whatever. So it's like, I'd rather not. So I was like, well, okay, then I get it. I get it. So I kind of told Lewis that, uh, and then Lewis kind of played with us for a while. But dude, like playing with you made me realize like how low on the like tiers we are <laughs> of like players that we play with because no joke like i recognize that i suck at the game uh and when you join and you started like watching me by the way i was messing up more than usual because i was like hang like i was talking with them about something i was ordering food on my phone and like kind of like playing like i wasn't like in like the i'm trying really hard moment to be honest this is my defense this is my only defense okay okay, okay. all right um but then at the same time, like, our games are easy. Like, with the way that we play, like, we win every few matches. Like, no joke. Like, we'll get, like, it's like third place here, second place there. Maybe we lose early in one game and then we win the other. Like, that's how it goes. Um, Lewis joins and then it's like matchmaking is completely thrown off. We're like, we are landing in places and getting killed immediately. Like, there was one <laughs> game. It was, like, one of the first games that we played together. Like, we landed somewhere and then, um, like... I was, like, on the way to get my first gun, and I got killed. <laughs> like, I didn't even see where it came from, but I got killed, like, immediately <laughs> from, like, somewhere. Like, somebody got the gun before me. And then Lewis is like, come on, Dan. And I'm like, I don't I don't know what's going on. I'm not used to playing with this level of, like, intensity. <laughs> yep. And every time we tried uh, picking a different place that was remote, people would land there. A lot of people yeah, would land there. Yeah, yeah. I and know, then, like, I know. I'm in here doing all the work, by the way. Like, I actually know what I'm doing, and, like... <laughs> 
I'm getting kills. I like I got like three kills before I got killed or whatever. When in one of the ones that where you like landed, and I'm you like, revive. I, you I revived had, one of my friends like three times in the match. By yes, the way, one of the, and one I got to revive in, and like I'm doing all yeah. this work, and my, my back is hurting from carrying everyone. But I can't. <laughs> but I'm actually like one of. I'm actually the weakest person in my group of friends that mm -hmm. I play Fortnite with. I'm the one getting carried. But like I'm yeah. not like scrubby either, you know what I mean? Like I actually know what I'm yeah, doing. Yeah. But like they're just better than me, you know. So yeah. I so it's it's very hard for for me being like the weakest player who gets matchmaked with like really good people because I'm playing against other with other good people. I'm screwing over your guys's matchmaking and you're not fighting against bots or whatever. So uh, <laughs> it's so crazy. It's like all right, all right. But and look, I think I got us to like third place or at least when in one on one of our last yeah, yeah. matches in and one stuff of, like that. I, I think like, in okay. one of the final matches yeah. we did pretty good actually compared. Comparatively, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, it was and a funny was little adventure. And, yeah, exactly. Um, and then, and then the day after that, you know, I I uh, I logged in just to go watch. I picked one of the time frames that I was going to be able to, and I just watched the Ariana Grande thing, and then I left because I wanted to see what that was like, uh, and I had never seen it before. Uh, I think you did it as well, right? I think we did same it at the time. same time. Yep. Um, so, what did you think of it? I was I was very unimpressed. Okay. Uh, I'm impressed by the technic the technical achievement. It's like there was definitely a lot. They put more. And I might use air quotes. Production value mm -hmm. into like the mm -hmm. experience with each concert. You know, from like uh, what they did with like like the marshmallow. The marshmallow concert is very quaint by comparison. It's like an actual concert where like it's a stage and then like actual people congregating around the stage, like an actual real, real concert. And mm -hmm. then like when it became the, like the Travis Scott situation, they started doing with more of an experience. Like he's a giant and everything like that. And, you know, he's performing for the whole map kind of thing. And, uh, and this one, they just sort of took it to the next level and then started like teleporting you around and started like playing with the visuals and, you know, like doing like these weird staircase thing or whatever. Like I get it. I get that they're like, you know, evolving and stuff like that. And they're not like a traditional concert. Um, which I guess is cool, but also like I was, I was underwhelmed because I wanted that to be a longer concert. Ariana Grande mm -hmm. has been making music for many years now. I want to say a decade. Um, and she has a lot of hit singles under her belt. And I was very unimpressed by the, the sheer lack of volume of tracks that they had her do. I'm also not a fan of, you know, them singing, uh, them doing the songs, just playing the normal songs. Like I want to. I want a live element to the vocals. Like if you're going to play, like mm -hmm. do a concert, like I want Ariana Grande to like actually like record into a mic, you know, her singing the song instead of just playing, you know, the MP3, you know, that's kind of yeah. how I see it. Mm -hmm. uh, I understand all your criticism and all of it makes sense. I was, I was wowed by it. Um, it was the first, <laughs> it was the first one that I experienced. Uh, and I was wowed by the fact that um, I guess, uh, even I was looking at it a lot from the game developer side of me mm. and I kept thinking like, holy shit, like this was so much work. I can't believe they put all this work in just to do, you know, this 15 minutes thing, which granted was a little short. Yeah. Um, but like every few minutes, every time they ch the, the song changed, the mechanics of the game and with what was going on in the world completely changed. Like there's this point where you're bouncing around. There's this point where you're like shooting something. There's this point where you're flying and it is all kind of built within the engine of the game and using a lot of the features that the game already supports, but still like laying all of that together, creating custom logic for each one of those segments and making sure that everything works perfectly in tandem with the whole like production value of all like the animations and the art assets and everything else. Like I was shocked that a company is able to put that much resources because 
I can look at that and know like that it took a lot of people a lot of time just to build those 15 minutes. And then and it's done. The fact, and then it's done, yeah. <laughs> and it's walks so, away. You, you can never play it again in a weekend. It's a it's a one weekend thing and you're done. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's it's crazy to think that they do that. Like with, with any other game, you know, when you put that much resources into something, usually it's because it's gonna come in and stick, like it's gonna be in the game for a while. Uh so the fact that they're like literally like it, there were five or six time slots for it, and and that was that was it. If you you either saw it or you didn't, and it's done. Um, so I don't know. I just think it's insane that uh, that they do that. But I agree with all your criticisms. They were all true. Uh, it was pretty short. Uh, the songs were just you know what the songs are on the radio. It was the it was actually the what is it called? Not obviously not the explicit version of the songs. The oh, clean yeah, version too. of the songs. Uh, which which I I hate that to be honest. Like because. <laughs> There, there are songs where you can make it work, but I feel like for most songs, it ends up just like cutting off like half the words. And it's like, what's even the point? You know, like if you're going <laughs> to like if you're just going to replace the if you're just going to mute the word and not even replace it with anything, then then. But I get it. They can't you know, they can't have, you know, songs with swearing and, and et cetera in a video game that, you know, kids are playing all over. But at the same time, they're swearing, too. You know, like, I bet they're swearing at each other. Um, I think it's a T for teen rated game, I want to say. I can't, I don't think, yeah, so... Mm. I don't even know if swearing is allowed in teen in teen games. To tell you the truth, I don't. I don't know. I I would I would have thought it. I think it is. Uh, but I think Epic probably doesn't want to get in trouble with pissed off parents off you know eight year olds that are playing Fortnite because I you know as we both know eight year olds out there are playing Fortnite. Um, so I think they're just trying to avoid that. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, it was uh, it was a good. I got the Ariana Grande skin. I got it, I got it for my niece. Mm. Um, it was. Uh, I also got like some other skins. Like they got the the Bloodsport skin and a bunch of other stuff. They actually were really reselling the marshmallow skin in the in the shop during that weekend as well. Um, but yeah. All right. Speaking of which, um, skins. Some yeah, some other Fortnite news. Um, so there's a Gamora skin uh, from Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, as well as uh, Superman is finally in. Uh, and do you want to talk a little bit about this, Louis? Uh, so, well, first off, Gamora, I'm just, I'm actually kind of like, a part of me was a little surprised in the sense that like, I would have imagined that Gamora was already in the game, but, you know, I thought about it. I was like, oh, I don't actually have a Gamora skin. So, yeah, okay, cool. Um, as far as the Superman skin, I have not logged into my Fortnite since the concert, so I haven't even, like, checked to see what the challenges are. But apparently you got to... You got to do challenges in order to unlock Superman. So I pretty much think I, I don't, even, I don't, even, I want to even know what's the, when the season ends or whatever, but I usually, whenever the season ends, it's like, oh, I got to get, I got to get on it. So, but his, uh, he's got a black suit Superman skin. So that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. I'll probably go in and try to get them, uh, sometime soon, but you know, I, I'm pretty disappointed with the season so far, by the way. Um, really? Everyone, yeah, all, yeah, all I, of my friends are telling me that I missed out and that the season was actually pretty fun. You know, I, I, I disagree, uh, and, and uh, my friends do too. I actually think Primal was a bad season. I think this is a terrible one. Um, whoa, like, whoa. All the, all the new stuff, like the UFO stuff and whatnot, like to me, it's just all annoying. Like, I just think, like, well, there, there I have multiple gripes with it. So they added crafting last season, and then this season they made crafting basically useless. Um, then, uh, because on last season, you could craft, like, a green gun into a blue gun or whatever. Now, when you craft, you're changing what the gun is, but you keep it at the same damage level, basically. Um, so, I'm not a huge fan of that. Then, I'm, a, uh, I'm a fan of the fact that they got rid of the primal guns, because they sucked. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Those did suck. 
Now, all of the new, like, alien-themed stuff that they added to the map, like, UFOs flying around that people can, you know, pilot and shit, and, like, random alien characters that attack you while you're going through the map, I don't like that. I feel like it's it's too distracting from the, the core gameplay experience that I enjoy. Uh, more than, like, I know they've done these kinds of disruptions before, but to me, this one is the most disruptive. Um, and it just, I just find it annoying. So I personally don't like it, but I can see how some people would. Um, just personal opinion, I think. I think I'll uh, go out of my way to unlock all these skins uh, this weekend. Mm. Uh, just so that way I can, um, you know, be rest assured that I got the skins. But I don't, I still don't have uh, Rick either. I haven't got to level 100. I really need oh, to play yeah. the game. So... Which yep, I yep, think yep. you're under you're under my level, by the way. Just want to just throw that out. Am there. I? Yeah, I, I'm in the fifty something. Yeah, I, I didn't yeah. play a lot over the last few. Like I, ever since the season started, I I know I said that we do the Friday thing, but I I had to skip a few, and then um like some of the Fridays we only played for like one to two hours or something. Um yeah, I'm not that wild about the season, which is why. Um, but let's move on to the next story here. Um, I thought this one looked like something that he would that he would find cool, Louis. It's kind of a check this out. Uh, this yeah. portable PS2 is the handheld off our dreams, uh, reported by Sammy Barker for Push Square. Yeah, the Nintendo Switch is cool and all, but have you ever played a portable PlayStation 2? Probably not, because Sony never actually made one. While both the PS Vita and PSP had plenty of PS2 ports on them, well, they couldn't play GTA San Andreas, could they? This hobby project named the PS2 Eclipse by Ginger off Oz can, however. It's been built using original PS2 Slim components, so it's a perfect portable version of the iconic console. There are some caveats. There's no disk drive, so it's running all of its games off a memory card that's outfitted with homebrew. Aside from that, though, there's no emulation here. Every game performs exactly the same as it would on the original hardware. Um, here's the tweet from the creator of this. After two months of having this consume my life, I'm excited to finally unveil the PS2 Eclipse, a PS2 console packed down into a Nintendo Switch-style handheld. And... This just looks, it's one of those things where you kind of got to see the video version on the Level 1 Gaming channel uh, to see this, or to at least, you know, look at the links, look this up. Uh, this just looks so sexy, Louis. I love it. I wish this, this was something I could buy. Yes, exactly. I was looking at it, and by the way, I literally, I, I naturally came across this video that I'm playing here on the screen, uh, like naturally on my mm -hmm. own YouTube recommendations and stuff like that. I watched the whole video, and he was talking about the process about how he had to cut the 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 motherboard uh, down to the most essential components and stuff like that. And he had to like, uh, you know, uh, bring in parts that soldered them on and make everything work. He used uh, Joy-Con analog sticks as the, as the sticks. And he says that if they drift and he'll just open it up and, and change them out himself. Cause it's an easy process on his part. And I'm like, that's, it's pretty good. Um, it's uh, he talked about like that there was some slowdown on certain cutscenes and stuff like that for some, I forgot the reason he gave, but otherwise it's, it's pretty much exactly a PS2. It's not, it's not emulation because it's the actual hardware. So um, yeah, I, he, uh, he, he says that on his video that he doesn't uh, take, uh, he no longer takes orders to like, to buy them. Like he used to, uh, you know, be on commission where like you could uh, contract him to, to make you a handheld. But now he says that he got tired of having, he's got overwhelmed, mm -hmm. I guess, with how many people wanted to uh, commission him to make a, a, a portable console that he just, he says that he'll just make them at his own whims and then he'll sell them whenever, whatever, whenever he makes uh, so that kind of, so you just kind of like have to like be really fast to whatever is social media is, but yeah, no, this is pretty cool. I like it. And, uh, it actually kind of has, it's like aesthetic design language centered around the PSP in a way. Mm -hmm. 
which yeah, I, think I think he uses really cool. Vita. He uses Vita buttons, by the way, in his. Mm. He actually that he ordered. Makes sense. So. Makes sense. This makes me wish Sony would uh, make some like a new handheld of some kind. It actually this makes me wish that we had. You know how they did the PS One Classic and that was kind of a failure. If Sony maybe did some kind of PlayStation Portable Classic that was a console that looked like this and could play like PS1, PS2, and maybe PS3 games. Uh, the games that are mm. not backwards compatible with uh, with PS4 onward. Um, I think that could be cool. But I don't know about PS3, uh, but I would say, what if it was just PS1, PS2, and PSP? That right. would be... That I would am be including sexy. PS3 because game, PS3 games, there's no way like you can play them right now unless you have a PS3. You know, right. so I think it would be cool if there were, but I guess it would it would the pose sell. it would create a hardware challenge, right? Yeah, the cell processor yeah, yeah. it's a pain in the ass. Yep, so I hear, so I hear. Uh, and the final one here is just a leak uh, for for a new game in the Call of Duty franchise, as uh, reported by Ryan Gilliam for Polygon. Call of Duty fans appear to be heading back to World War II later this year with the next entry in the franchise, which is called Call of Duty Vanguard, according to leaked images posted online. Charlie Intel reports that the new Season 5 update for Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War contains some hidden files showcasing pre-order details for 2021's Call of Duty title. Data miners pulled the images and started sharing them online. Activision has met some of these posts with copyright takedown notices forcing them to be removed. The images themselves seem legitimate, suggesting the Call of Duty Vanguard will be the game's official title and that it will be set during World War II. The leaked images mention three bundles for Vanguard, Standard, Cross-Gen, and Ultimate. These bundles are similar to what Activision offered last year for Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Seems likely that the cross-gen bundle will allow players to jump from the game's PS4 and Xbox One editions to the current-gen PS5 and Xbox Series X editions. Um, so, Lewis, uh, what do you think about Call of Duty going back to World War II? I think it's kind of funny how like Call of Duty already did Call of Duty World War II, and so they had to figure mm -hmm. out what they were to call it. So there's like, oh, you know what? Vanguard. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. I think that's a, that's a good title. Um, but yeah, no, like this does nothing for me. Like I'm not, I'm not a Call of Duty player. I haven't, I can't even remember the last time I even played a Call of Duty uh, campaign. Um, and uh, yeah, so the, that's really interesting that they're offering a cross-gen bundle. It almost kind of seems like it should be like the standard thing where it's like, if you buy the PS4 and Xbox One versions, you get the next-gen versions for free at no additional cost. It's uh, it kind of it kind of seems kind of sus that they're monetizing that, but whatever. Yeah, at this point, I'm not sure if you can call that the standard thing anymore because for for each person or company that did that, it feels like there are companies and studios that are not necessarily doing that. Um, I mean, even Sony, I know, has come under fire recently because of some of the stuff that they were doing with Ghost of Tsushima. Um, because you know they're adding they're adding new stuff, but then like there's like a price for just upgrading the game. Like there's there once you need to once your pricing structure needs to be on an Excel spreadsheet, then probably something's going wrong. But uh, with Sony, it's like if you have Ghost of Tsushima, you can upgrade to Ghost of Tsushima PS5 for like ten dollars, but that doesn't include the director's cut like uh extra content that you can buy in addition for like twenty dollars, or you can just spend $70 to get the director's cut disc on PS5. There's like all sorts of weird shit going on with that as well. Um, so yeah, at the end of the day, uh, Microsoft was the company that really got this right, right? With the smart delivery and stuff. And uh, I I wish others would kind of um, go follow off suit. with that. Yeah. Yeah, follow suit. But uh, it is what it is. Right, Louis, let's uh, go through our extra news here now. Uh, we got 12 items on the list. Uh, starting with number one, 
a stack of decorative Goomba characters at Japan's Super Nintendo World fell over this week, narrowly missing guests and leading to the ride being temporarily suspended. This is pretty interesting, Lewis. I actually saw a video of it. It was like this big, heavy stack of Goombas that just kind of fell over on the tracks of this like little roller coaster ride thing. Like I think it was like the the Mario Kart one. And uh, like basically it fell as the ride was ongoing and the the what would you call it, like, the train or whatever, like, just happened to be, like, not there yet. So they were able, like, to, like, stop it on time. But it could have fallen over guests and probably hurt somebody really bad if not killed them uh, because those Goombas were heavy, were pretty heavy. Um, Anyway, I'm talking too much here. But number two, Sony may be planning to add a new premium tier to PlayStation Plus, which includes a Crunchyroll subscription. This comes after Sony has acquired Crunchyroll. Number three, as part of the still ongoing Epic Games lawsuit, info recently came out about how Google considered buying Epic Games to shut down their efforts to compete with Google Play. <laughs> of course they have that kind of money. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, uh, a pitch has been revealed for Project Nomad, a AAA open world Power Rangers game that never got off the ground. Number five, Microsoft is currently testing a night mode feature for Xbox, which will dim your screen, disable HDR, and let you filter out blue light. Number six, the voice actress behind one of Xenoblade Chronicles' key characters has suggested that she could be involved in a new installment of the series, seemingly hinting that Xenoblade Chronicles 3 could be in development. Number seven, Idris Elba was cast as Knuckles on Sonic's movie sequel. Number eight, there's a new South Park game in development, and this one will be 3D and developed by an internal studio created by Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Number nine, Nintendo recently confirmed the previously announced Niantic's Pikmin AR game is coming this year. Number 10, some new studios were formed this week, including A, Eyes Out, formed by Spec Ops, The Line Def, Corey Davis, and Nine Inch Nails guitarist Robin Fink. B, Raccoon Logic, led by Stadia Dev and Assassin's Creed director Alex Hutchinson. And C, a not-yet-named studio formed by influencer and Twitch streamer Dr. Disrespect. Number 11, this is a roundup. Back for Blood has gone gold. Riders Republic beta starts August 23rd. Time-wasting browser game Cookie Clicker comes to spe- Steam on September 1st. Darksiders 3 comes to Switch on September 30th, including all DLC. Lego Marvel Super Heroes comes to Switch on October 5th. Lone Echo 2 was delayed to later this year. And Life is Strange remasters have been delayed to early 2022. Okay, what the hell? That that <laughs> one, like, how, how do you mess that up? It's a game that's already been done. And, like, we showed it at E3 and, okay, whatever. It, Yep. And number 12, you should pull up this link for the video watchers, Lewis. Zelda Breath of the Wild has never looked this good. Uh, There is a mod for Breath of the Wild that adds ray tracing to it and and probably a lot of more stuff as well. Uh, This is emulated on PC, obviously, and it makes it look like what I wish a Zelda game would look like. Um, <laughs> we didn't, didn't yeah. we talked about like a Breath of the Wild in 4K at 60 frames per second before, like, uh, but now they, I guess they must have done like a texture pack mod or whatever, or like a essentially changing the art style a bit. But yeah, this looks this looks awesome. Like I this almost I I want it I want it to be a little bit more like it's just it's just there like but I'm whenever I think of something like this like I want I want a Breath of the Wild with like twilight princess kind of art style but not too mm-hmm. gray you know what i mean mm-hmm. like just kind of like like add a little sp- do twilight princess but with a splash of color and like this is kind of like mm-hmm. that i guess i, I don't yeah. know I, i'm not feeling this uh this 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 uh this lighting though it's a little i don't know if it's oh, like, it's- the, like the setting is like like uh what do you call it nighttime or evening but it kind of looks kind of like day night at the same time 
Yeah, I know uh, the effects here are overdone. Like you, you, you would never see it like really like that in a game, uh, typically because there's other things that are taken into consideration as well. Um, but it's still like they're they're really trying to show off what they can do. I can tell. Um, with all the lighting here, but I I don't know. This just looks beautiful, and you know, it's it's little things like this that sometimes, Lewis, as much as I love Nintendo hardware, and I really do, seeing things like this make me wish. That uh, at least a part of me wishes that Nintendo would make games for the PS5 or something, you yes. know, or or Nintendo would make their own PS5, you know. So, yeah, true, 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 true. All right, do you have any thoughts on these other extra stories? Uh, let's go. Uh, let's see here. There was one of these that got my attention uh, earlier this week on uh, on Ready Play Movies. I talked about the South Park. Uh, uh, the creators of South Park, they had like the mm-hmm. richest deal in TV history where they were signed into like a six year contract or I believe it was six years. And they got basically $900 million where they were going to be doing uh, like six new seasons of South Park, as well as like 17 movies like that are going to go straight to HBO Max with one of them coming out later this year that's set in the world of South Park and not a South Park movie. So they're doing like a lot of spinoffs and they're just trying to monetize that franchise and good for them. And they're getting the bag. And so with that kind of like fuck you money that Trey Parker and Matt Stone have, they're able to just, uh, I believe in this article, they talked about how they're financing and they're doing the game themselves. So they have more control. So mm-hmm. I think that's good on them. And I would like to see a 3D uh, South Park, you know, game. Like I mean, we've done that. We've seen it before in the N64 and PlayStation 1, but, you know, that game is kind of old and, and stuff. But like, I want to see, you know, you know uh, what they would do because the Stick of Truth and uh, um, the Fractured Butthole were 2D games, you know, so... Yeah, yeah, when they say a 3D game, do you do, what do you picture? Like, do you picture is still like the 2D? Um, basically, I'm picturing something kind of akin to Paper Mario, where it's like the the 2D graphics of the South Park characters, but they are moving in like a 3D space. Like, could it be something kind of like that? Because how do you translate those? Like, how, I can't I can't picture in my head how to translate that art into like a proper 3D game. So there's there are plenty of South Park merchandise, including plushies of the characters. So like Kenny, mm-hmm. like a Kenny plushie and stuff yeah, that yeah, I've yeah. seen. So basically, I'm imagining just 3D models of that art style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes and, sense. And besides, I've uh, they've done it already with the PS1 with bad PS1 graphics and stuff like that. So I I would imagine the same would be true here, but with like you know how you, how you think it's gonna look like is how I'm sort of envisioning it. Fair enough. Uh, um, but let's see. I don't. Uh, I don't think I don't know why that the Sony's going to charge more for Crunchyroll. I think they should just like bake it into PS Plus. Um, you know, I already pay for for Crunchyroll, so if, if they were Same. to do that thing where they uh, make it a premium tier, if if the price is right, if it's like if the if the cost is like marginally less than my actual current Crunchyroll subscription, then maybe I'll save a buck or two by doing that. But if anything, they should just I don't know, just do it. But Maybe they need I to do make wanna, money in their investment since they paid for it. I don't know. I do want to say something about that. We sometimes forget that uh, I feel like we take it for granted that PlayStation Plus is actually really cheap. Um, when you think that when, when you look at PlayStation Plus yearly price, which is $60 and you divide it up at 12, which is $5 a month. Like you realize that PlayStation Plus is actually cheaper than pretty much any other subscription you have out there. It is cheaper than Game Pass. It is cheaper than, you know, Crunchyroll. It is cheaper than Disney Plus or Hulu or like any, a lot cheaper than Netflix and all of this stuff. Um, so I think I could see a situation where maybe Sony is wants to increase the price of PlayStation Plus anyway. Um, and they're going to use Crunchyroll as kind of almost like an excuse for them to be able to get away with like, 
you know, rather than $5 a month, like $10 a month, because if it's $10 a month, then you're actually getting Crunchyroll for a little bit cheaper there still, yeah. uh, or maybe like, I don't know, like $7.99 a month, or or maybe maybe it is $9.99 a month, or if you get the year, maybe you get a discount there, you get a year for, you know, $100 instead of $120, or, so I, I, I understand why they would maybe be doing that. Yeah. Also, by the way, just want to throw this out there. I, I would never have imagined that Nintendo would be the scene or Super Nintendo World would be the scene of a of a of a of a Final Destination movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, could you imagine where like yes, yes, somebody yes. is riding the cart and like the, the 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 track or whatever, and then the Goomba like hits them just as they're passing, so it times it so it's like boom. You know, so that would that <laughs> no. would just be insane. I know, I know. <laughs> that is crazy to think about that it that it could theoretically have happened. Oh, I hope they figure that out and that no accidents like this happen again. There was another story related to Super Nintendo World, which is that um, Universal Orlando, I think, or, or yeah, I think it was Universal Orlando uh, has just started selling some of the merchandise already, even though they don't have the the part of the park open yet, or or they probably just started building it. They're already selling some of the Nintendo merchandise there. Damn. Um, yeah. Also, like that's so interesting. Like you, 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 you would uh, think about like the billions of dollars that Epic has and that their valuation is worth, <laughs> and Google is still uh, Google's fuck you money is like no fuck you money, you know, like yeah. that kind of stuff. <laughs> can, can, like, can we just buy these? I, I imagine like the question, like, can we just buy these guys? They're annoying us. Like, <laughs> like oh, that's so yeah, interesting. Funny. Yeah. And that's and that you can actually ask that question unironically is like. I don't know, almost scary in a certain sense. Yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> well, Google, if you're looking for a podcast to buy, we're for sale. Yes. Um, <laughs> Lewis, you can take over the show from here on out um, and do our next two segments. All right, here we go. What are you buying? All right, so for new releases, let's go ahead and hit up the fact that, let's see here. Season 5 of Black Ops Cold War is out. XDeviant's first closed beta test is now out for some players on PC. The first free update, or a free update to Overcook, all you can eat, adds new levels, new chef, and more. <gasps> oh my god, I just need to know. Is this Overcook <laughs> 1 or 2? That's what I need to know. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm I not bet sure. you it's probably Overcook 2. There's no way they're going to update the first game. Um, Rocket League Season 4 is out, and Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice has been optimized for the Series X and S. That's cool. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's on Game Pass as well. All right. Didn't we cover this last week on Hades? Like, I remember you reading Hades last week on the new release. Did I? Pretty I sure you have. did. Maybe oh. I got the dates wrong. Uh, it says Hades, uh, August 13th, uh, PS5, Series X and S, PS4, and Xbox One. So, let's see. Yeah, I'm I'm guessing. I, I remember you were talking about how it's going to be day one on Game Pass last week. Uh, next mm. up is Paw Patrol, the movie, Adventure City. Let's see. Let me pull it up here. All right. It comes out on PS4, Xbox One, Switch on August 13th. August 16th, we get Road 96, which is a Switch and PC game. It looks... Wait a minute. This uh, this uh, this uh, poster art looks like I've seen this before at an E3 or something. Just uh, just throwing that out there. I This looks vaguely remember, uh, familiar. Uh, Greek Memories of Azure comes out on the PS5 Series X and S. The Switch and the PC on August 17th. Next up is Humankind for the PC uh, on August 17th. And it says here, Humankind is Amplitude Studios' magnum opus, a historical strategy game where you will rewrite the entire narrative of humankind, a convergence of culture, 
history and values that allows you to create civilization that is as unique as you are. How far will you push humankind? Also, side note, this game comes to Game Pass on day one. So do you got anything yet, uh, Dan? Uh, I'm looking at row 96. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that we saw this at uh, at one of the events. Um, so it is over either this year or last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to figure out who the maybe the publisher for this is or something. But um, yeah, it looks it looks pretty interesting. Uh, Steam, Switch, Epic Game Store. Uh, it looks like a Firewatch. That's what it looks like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All but right. no, it's it's developed and published by DigiX Art, which I've never heard about. So. Okay. All right. Next up is Marvel's Avengers War for Wakanda expansion comes out on the PS5, Series X and S, the PS4, the Xbox One, Stadia, and PC on the 17th. Next up is Recompile coming out on the PS5, Xbox Series X and S, and PC on the 19th. Also on the 19th is Rims Racing coming out on uh, PS5, the Xbox Series, the PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. And next up is The Veil, Shadow of the Crown, coming out on Xbox One and PC. And I would, I would dare I say, pick of the week, August 19th. It's the game that I've been waiting years for. 12 Minutes, comes in, coming out on the Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One and PC on August 19th. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go ahead and commit myself to giving you guys impressions next week on next week's podcast. No, wait, two weeks from now. Two, okay, because next week is already... It's already a done show. All right. Um, Mm -hmm. The blurb reads, you take the role of the husband on what should be a romantic evening with your wife. The night turns into a nightmare when a police detective breaks into your home, accuses your wife of murder, and beats you to death, only for you to find yourself immediately returned to the exact moment you open the front door, stuck in a 12-minute time loop doomed to relive the same terror again and again unless you can find a way to use the knowledge of what's coming to change the outcome and break the loop an interactive an interactive narrative that blends the dreamlike suspense of the shining with the claustrophobia of rear window and the fragmented structure of memento now those are some fighting words right there yeah and what this blurb forgot to mention by the way is that this game is acted by daisy ridley James McAvoy and Willem Dafoe. Yes, I was uh, about to say that next. Pretty insane for uh, for an indie game. Uh, Lewis and I have both been excited for this for a long time, and I think we're both probably going to be playing it and talking about it two weeks from now, unless I forget. I have the full intention to play it. If I get busy with other stuff and life gets in the way and I forget about it, that would be the only reason why I don't. Uh, but I definitely really want to play this game. I'm very excited for it. It looks really interesting. It looks up my alley. Uh, it looks like the kind of game, like, like it says here, it's a 12-minute loop, right? So you uh you probably played the game for 12 minutes um and then you know it ends and then you play it again and try to do things different and see how that affects the outcome um and it's almost like i guess like sort of like a roguelike in a way but it's a different type of roguelike and this type of roguelike i enjoy um so i'm i'm very excited for it all right cool 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 we'll go ahead and move on to the uh the sales or you broke gamers guide got a selection of good things on sale stranger Okay, so for a broke gamer's guide, we have uh, the free game, the epic free game of the week. It's only one. They've been shortchanging us uh, because uh, normally they've been, or they've been getting us in the habit of doing a two week. But uh, looking at next week, by the way, they say that ukulele is free. Which didn't they just recently give away ukulele? Like I just missed it, right? I was. Bitching. I wanna. 
Yeah, I want to correct you now on something. So I think, I don't remember if this was on last week's episode or if it was on the one that we pre-recorded, but you mentioned that you had missed ukulele. You were actually, you got two things mixed up. Ukulele is on Xbox Live Gold this month, um, and it's actually still available. So I, my understanding was that you got Xbox Live Gold mixed up with Epic Games. I swear but. they gave away, like, Epic Games gave away has been giving away stuff and they repeat certain things. You know what I mean? Like we're not, we're not above mm-hmm. like minute last week's minute. I had that already in my Epic game store. Yes. But minute had been originally given away on the first year of Epic of the Epic game store. So it was like, they gave it away again, like two years later. I would be surprised if they gave ukulele out like two weeks ago. And then now they're giving it away. Again. You know what? We got, we so got tapes. Why. We got tapes. We're gonna check the tapes. <laughs> okay. 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 We're going to check the We're tapes. That's good. That's good. Uh, if I remember, you know what? Yeah. Two weeks from now, I'm going to just throw in the doc and be like, boom, you're like, bitch, fuck you. Time codes, receipts. But you know, <laughs> I know it's not that serious, but still, like at least I get to get ukulele, which by the way, I don't even really want the game. I just like I like redeeming stuff, you know what I mean? But whatever. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and do Rebel Galaxy some justice here. Rebel Galaxy is the free game of the week, and uh, I went ahead and claimed it before the start of the show, just so that way I don't fuck up. Um, Rebel Galaxy is a game of action-packed combat, exploration, discovery, trade, and negotiation with the outlandish denizens at the edge of no- of the known universe. You'll battle pirates, explore anomalies, befriend aliens, scavenge, battle wreckage, mine asteroids, and discover artifacts. Choose your path as a roguish, do-gooder, crafty space trader, or power-hungry privateer in this swashbuckling space adventure. This just looks like this sounds like I just read the blurb for No Man's Sky, by the way. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's like a knockoff No Man's Sky. Maybe it was done better than No Man's Sky. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, RPG open world as it says the genre. So yeah, like I'm just saying, I'm like, you could choose your own path. You can do whatever you want. I'm like, oh, No Man's Sky. Yep. (laughs) All right. Next up is, uh, let's take a look here. All right. The game, Xbox Game Pass stuff. Okay, so what's really interesting about this Game Pass thing is that, um, you know, Sony owns uh, Crunchyroll, but... Yes. So here's the thing. Sony just finished the acquisition of Crunchyroll this week. And going a little bit further on that, Sony owns Funimation, and Funimation now owns Crunchyroll, so it's kind of like two levels deep. My guess is that this Xbox Game Pass deal was already in place before the conversations even started, or perhaps the 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 deal just got negotiated before Funimation had completed the acquisition. Um, either way, you know, like Funimation is its own arm within Sony, so it might operate independently. Um, I don't know exactly how it works, but it is funny that on the week. Where the news is, Sony acquires Crunchyroll, they might add it to PS Plus. Crunchyroll is actually partnering with Game Pass. <laughs> yes. So you get to get Crunchyroll Premium if you buy three months of Xbox Game Pass for PC. Mm-hmm. So that's, or is it the other way around? If you buy it's Crunchyroll. It's the other way around. If you get Crunchyroll Premium, Premium, you get free three months of Xbox Game Pass. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting deal. And it says that uh, it's valid until October 31st, and you have to redeem it by November 30th. So, I read the fine print for you guys. Uh, next up is uh, PlayStation games are on sale on um, on Amazon. And I'm going to take advantage of one of these, uh, one of these here, but... Uh, let's see here. You have uh, the first thing that pops up is the Neo Collection well, for the PS5 for fifty bucks. 
Eh, that doesn't do anything for me, but I'm seeing here Returnal has been knocked down from $70 to $50. Uh, I'm guessing the game hasn't sold well enough, so they got to uh, bump it down. I didn't get Sackboy a big adventure last time, but now it's, it's slashed to $40. I see Spider-Man Miles Morales. Uh, wait, wait, hold on a second here. Oh, wait, never mind, never mind, never mind. Okay, so the Spider-Man Miles Morales on the PS4 and on the PS5, they're both $40. And I was thinking to myself, what about the what about the Premium Ultimate Edition for the PS5? It's there at $50. That doesn't feel like a deal, but whatever. Uh, Demon's Souls, $50. Bucks. Iron Man VR, $20. Bucks. Yeah, um, I, I'm a little... Uh, I'm slightly unimpressed, just slightly. Yeah, yeah, it's they're not massive deals, but you know when a game retails for seventy dollars and you can get it for fifty, if you're looking at it, um, might might be a good time to get it. All right, and the one the, this is the one that I'm going to take advantage of because this is the one that like Dan spot that Dan spotlighted in the dock here, and I'm like I'm so happy that I didn't buy it. Uh, <laughs> the Mass Effect Legendary Edition is uh, has been slashed to I believe it's twenty bucks here. Wait a minute. Why isn't the, there's no price on this link? That sucks. Yeah, I think the I think the deal is done. <laughs> no, God. Yes. Fuck. Which is why we need to check these things before we actually start the podcast. But anyway. Uh, oh, yeah. damn it, bastards! Those bastards. All right. Next, and uh, is the Xbox? Uh, sorry, Xbox. Place uh, Best Buy has ten days and ten game deals. Okay, so this is interesting. So there is our daily deals. And the first mm-hmm. three days have, at the time of recording, the first three days have already happened. They gave, they had a deal for Mario uh, plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Then they had a deal for Overcooked. And then they had a, a deal for Rage. And today's deal is Rainbow Six Siege. So if you basically check the Best Buy's website, you can see whatever sale they got going on on the daily. But basically right now, today of recording, which is probably like going to be no use to you guys when it posts, but... Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege Deluxe Edition is $10. That's a hell of a deal. So here's the thing. Um, These deals so far, I think, have been pretty good, like really, really good. Uh, Because all all of the games are getting available for $10. They're changing it every day, so it's kind of annoying if you want to be checking it every day. But Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle at $10 is probably the cheapest that game had ever been. Um, especially for the physical version. Uh, Rage 2 for $10 is also probably the cheapest that game had ever been. I'm not so sure about like the Overcooked one, which by the way, Louis, um, before you weren't sure what Overcooked All You Can Eat is, I think Overcooked All You Can Eat is 1 plus 2. I think it's like a collection uh, thing uh, that they oh. released. Uh, mm. Um, perhaps with like new levels and stuff, but that was also $10 rainbow six siege for $10 seems like a good deal as well. So we'll keep an eye out on this. I'm just saying like, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some major like triple a game and some of those days, uh, come out for $10 here. So I think it's worth watching. Okay. And then next up, uh, recently renamed PUBG battlegrounds is free to play on steam until August 16th. I got to tell you about this, Lewis. Uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds or PUBG is no longer ca- called that. It's now called officially PUBG Colon Battlegrounds, which means that the official name of the game is now Player Unknown Battlegrounds Colon Battlegrounds. <laughs> not a joke. <laughs> this is a legit thing. This is a legit thing. It was a new story. I did not really include it anywhere, so that's why I just kind of threw in that detail there. And the reason is because they're turning PUBG into a brand. And they're going to have more games coming out that are going to be PUBG calling other things. That is so dumb. <laughs> Play, player unknown, you 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 suck. All right. This is what happens when you sell your brand. 
Uh, but anyway, it's not even player unknowns anymore. Like you know how it's like possessive, like apostrophe s. It's not yeah. his. It's like I it's have like, a feeling. I have a feeling PUBG is going to become one of those things, kind of like IGN, where like right now IGN theoretically does not stand for anything because it stood for something that doesn't exist anymore. So they've kept the acronym, even though like they don't use the full like it used to be the Image Games Network, uh, but nowadays Image Games doesn't exist anymore or something along those lines. I may have gotten it wrong. Uh, so because of that, like IGN, like if if if. You ask what IGN is nowadays. IGN is just IGN. It doesn't stand for anything. Yeah, that sucks. PUBG just stands. Oh, what is this button up? Just yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Anyways, <laughs> Dan, you uh, managed to run the show pretty quickly. So what if we just arrange this or derail this uh, efficiency to like thirty more minutes and we talk about uh, you know sharing the love? <laughs> All right, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, here we go. You know what would be cool if one day we managed to get Lena Rain in this show, who is the composer for the Celeste music, and then we had her share the love for a game in the sharing the love segment <laughs> after we play the sound effect from Celeste that she wrote. That would <laughs> be composed. hilarious. Um, anyway, Louis, sharing the love, you know, usually we bring in stories from our past to talk about how much we love games and etc. Uh, there's been some anniversaries in the industry recently. Uh, the Game Boy has recently turned 32 years old. Um, the game Metroid uh, turned 35 just last week. I think we talked about it on Temple of Time. Um, so I just kind of wanted to use this little time as an opportunity to uh, share the love for either of those, like either the Game Boy console or Metroid, whatever you feel like right now. Um, and I'm kind of going to give this to you first, and then I'm going to add in whatever I have. So let me tell you this. Like, I I, uh, I grew up with the original Big Brick Game Boy. Uh, I had mm-hmm. that as a, uh, like a Christmas present. And what's really interesting is when I, when I did get, like, the Game Boy for Christmas, it, I got two games that were specifically, like, you know, like, kind of like GOATs. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know, I talk, I talk about how I got Link's Awakening uh, for the Game Boy. That was one of my first games. And then I also got Super Mario Land. And uh, what was really interesting is like, even as a kid, like my mom and dad, they got me like a lot of games like for the Game Boy over time. And then it got, it was so much so that they gave me like a carrying case. And it was like this really big, fat, like briefcase. And I mean, like, it was like this weird, how do, how do I put this? A uh, very hard, hard plastic thing that looked like a giant, like a like a giant Game Boy with like the Game mm-hmm. Boy gray and like that that little pinkish red for the buttons. You know, it, it kind of looked like a Game Boy carrying case, like just from the outside. I think it even had like Game Boy and big font in it or something like that. So like I would like it, I would open it up like you know like one of those kind of like hard like plastic you know like you know where you like open it up and then like there was like little compartments that were specifically shaped for my game boy and my game boy games like actual like little slots for me to put it in there and i would like kind of like carry it like a messenger bag because it was so big and stuff it was so (laughs) funny and i liked it i really i really do appreciate it i kind of wish that i never i never i don't know what happened to my big fat game boy uh i don't know if i sold it or got rid of it and i kind of wish i kept that and the carrying case because like i know for a fact that i never would have broken that case because I, I don't remember what happened to it so you just lost the time this is one of those kind of situations where you lost the time but i have i still have every single game including my original copy of super mario land and Link's awakening like to this day and um i played a, a shit ton of games and um I'm going to just go ahead and pass it off to you while I try to remember what games I want to talk about for the Game Boy. You know, when you, when you mention remember, it's 
It's it's interesting because like I am so young and uh, I did own a Game Boy. It was probably one of the first um, gaming machines that I that I owned um, consoles, I guess. But you know, hand definitely the first handheld, um, but probably the first console too, alongside my Super Nintendo. Um, and I was so young then that my memories of that time frame really fade away. Um, but but the the main thing that I really do remember is that you know I I owned. Um, you know, Pokemon for it. And I, I, I can't remember whether it was red or blue, but it was one of those. Um, and that it was probably the only game I owned for it, to be honest. And that I would like just play that all the time. And I carried it with me everywhere. And I would go to, you know, preschool or whatever it was. Um, and basically have all, all the, all the kids kind of swarm around me and see what it was because I was the only one that, that had that and and none of them did. Um, and they were all so fascinated by it. Um, but when I think about it, that's really pretty much my only memories of the Game Boy. At some point, um, I ended up, I don't know if I lost it or, you know, my family used to move a lot. So like whenever we moved, there were things that would just disappear because either, you know, we forgot to pack them somehow and they were left in the house or, you know, like some box ended up getting lost or my, my dad always liked like getting rid of stuff whenever we were moving, you know, he used it as an opportunity to purge like as much as he could. Uh, and sometimes that meant purging old toys and stuff like that as well. Like for me that maybe I didn't play with anymore. So I wouldn't even be surprised if my Game Boy just got purged at some point um, in that, in, in that way. But it makes me really Sad because I also do really wish that I had kept my Game Boy through the years uh, and that I could look back on it and maybe like if I actually held it in my hands and and, and played with it, maybe more of those memories would come back. Hmm. So what's really interesting is like, I'm going to just throw this out there. Uh, I don't know who got it for me or how I came into the possession of it. But as a child, I got a game for the Game Boy called Shadowgate. Mm-hmm. And it was a point and click adventure. And I was one of those, it was one of those games that like, it's like one of the very old school, you know, like very like, you know, like you're entering a room and it's kind of like these very like old graphics and stuff like that. But one of the things that was really weird is like, I don't know why this, this game was gotten for me because like I had no idea what to do in the game. Like this game was very like, I don't know, very above my age range. Not like in the sense, like, I don't know where to go. I'm like navigating through these rooms and I don't know what to do or where to go. And I was doing a lot of backtracking going to and from the same rooms. And I just kind of like got like, um, I don't know, frustrated, and I just turned it off. I was like, screw this game, whatever. Uh, but yeah, that was just one random memory that I just came to my mind. But um, mm-hmm. as far as like the games that I do remember playing the most, I remember playing Super Mario Land 2, uh, the six golden coins. It's like one of the best uh, Mario games on the on the Game Boy. Like out of all the out of the all the Mario games, like that one's the one that like just they got it right for me. Like that's how you design a, a handheld game uh, Mario. Whereas like the first one, Super Mario Land, it was very small, very tiny, and like you know just not very I don't know well crafted for the the size of the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they made the sprites bigger and things like that for for Mario Land two. Uh, the power up was cool. Uh, Wario was a good it was a good antagonist and uh, it was like a better save system and everything. Um, but uh, what was like? Uh, there's there's only one last thing. I, one last thing I wanted to say about the Game Boys. I, I really do uh, hate the fact that the Game Boy Light never came to the U.S., which makes sense because mm-hmm. of the timing. Uh, but I really wish that that somehow Nintendo decided to make a Game Boy Color with a backlit screen because that was much needed. And, and you know, it was very uh, how do I put this? It was a very much of a pain in the ass having to have like a like one of those like. I actually owned it, by the way, was like one of those like little magnifying glass with the light built in. So or having to play with like under a lamp or, you know, playing mm-hmm. like with uh, 
with like the sun and like not having the glare and just the right angle. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a whole rigmarole and some of those things that you just kind of sort of grew up with. And, uh, even to this day when I, when I, you know, dust off my Game Boy Color, it's like, oh, I have to play in the daytime, you know, which mm -hmm. again, I don't really do that because I would just play on the Game Boy Advance SP, the same Game Boy games. And yeah, but yeah, it's, uh, one of those like, uh, first world problems that you grew up with. Yeah. You know, what's funny, like even the 3DS in certain like um, climate settings is not like ideal. Like it, there are certain things that are difficult to see on the screen because like it's funny that that's something that we have had such a difficult time really like figuring out uh, even with all the time we've had, because you can't play the 3DS outside in a sunny day either. <laughs> like you need you need you know, a slightly, you know, like darker room to be able to do it, because I remember I've tried like going to the beach and playing my 3DS at the beach. Which I guess that that like reveals how much of a nerd I am, perhaps. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but like it's it's almost impossible to see anything on that screen as well. I don't think there's much that can be done about that. But yeah, it was it used to be much worse when when they were not lit at all. Yeah, mm. agree with that. And one last uh, one last shout out to the Game Boy, and this is kind of like an anti shout out, but also a shout out at the same time. Shout out to the fighting games that got ported to the Game Boy, like Mortal Kombat, mm. Street Fighter, and Killer Instinct. Those games have no business being on the Game Boy <laughs> because it's only got two buttons and like the fighting has to be like watered down to like fit mm -hmm. that kind of button scheme. And also it supported multiplayer because you can have a link cable. And if you had two Game Boys and two copies of the game, you guys can technically fight each other. But no one, like not even back in the day, like back in my time, no one did that. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, if you're going to play multiplayer Street Fighter, you're going to go to the console. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can make a fighting game with two buttons. They've they've done they've made one. It's uh dive kick. Dive kick. Yeah, is, it's is, one button. Is that what it's called? Yeah. 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 I know. And that one has that has its own meta and stuff like that. But yeah, I just uh, I just wanted to say that uh, the Game Boy, it's uh, you know eight bit machine that's just kind of like a revolutionary thing. It was awesome. I liked it, and uh, there was and definitely a, a lot of games for it. it. It can survive pretty much anything because there's this infamous like Game Boy at the Nintendo store in New York. I don't know if you've ever seen this, Lewis, but that has been uh, it was like hit by a bomb or something and it's still like playable. Uh, you probably know you might know the story a little bit better than than me. Yes, uh, but this I uh, I actually went to the Nintendo store in New York um, and saw it with my own two eyes. Two eyes. I'm gonna Same. I'm gonna try to find the picture on my phone while we speak. But basically, it was uh, a guy that was in uh in like Iraq uh, in the 90s. It was called Desert Storm. Uh, like Operation Desert Storm, and there was an explosion that, and the Game Boy survived the explosion, and it's still playable. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Game Boy was uh, was in the display case, and it was actually playing like Tetris or something like that. I think it might have had to have been playing Tetris because I think the game card game cartridge fused with the actual Game Boy, so they're inseparable. <laughs> so, <laughs> but no, I can't find I can't find uh, the my my pictures from New York on my phone. So, oh well. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I've been to New York City a few times, and I I love that uh, that Nintendo store, and I've also seen it with my own two eyes as well. Uh, now, Lewis, I did allude to it, so I feel like we got to say something about it. Me Metroid is turning has just turned thirty five as well. Um, I don't know if Nintendo is showing it much. I mean, we got to give credit to Nintendo. They're releasing a new game this year, you know, in Metroid Dread. Uh, but I'm not hearing a lot about Metroid's anniversary in the same way that we did about other anniversaries in the past. Um, what's your relationship with the franchise? I honestly have almost no relationship with the franchise. <laughs> I mean, I played Super Metroid. Like, I, I, I like, I fuck around with Samus and Smash Bros, and that's about it. You know, um, yeah. I have 
I don't I I would like to play like the Metroid Fusion and Metroid Zero Mission, which is the the remake of uh, of the first Metroid for the NES. Like those are on my to do list um, uh, at some point. As like as far as my like my bottomless pit my bottomless pit that is my <laughs> backlog. Um, but no, like I have nothing against the the franchise, but I also don't have anything like endearing or memories or nostalgic to say mm. about it either. As much as I would like to. You know, I don't know if I do either. I like Metroid, but the the truth is, I've uh, I've played almost every uh, mainline Metroid game, but not finished most of them. So I actually think Samus Returns might be the only one that I really finished. I um, I played Metroid One and Two uh, a little bit uh, up until getting to a point where I thought they were getting a little obtuse. And Super Metroid, I got pretty far on and eventually started getting stuck. And then that seems to be the standard for me with Metroid games: is that like I play them all, they're fun and kind of like easy to get through and once i get to like some of the more major puzzles later on where you kind of have to figure out like where to go and what to do and it's kind of confusing um then that's usually when i when i sort of drop off um but you know the metroid prime games i have played metroid prime one and three quite extensively and never finished either as well um and then samuel's returns was the one that i actually played through beginning to end and i actually did it this year um, and finished it. And I, I like all the games, uh, and I'm very excited for Metroid Dread, uh, because I'm hoping that with a new one coming out, being part of the conversation and all that stuff, um, that perhaps, what are you trying to show, Lewis? I'm Lewis has you, an image uh, pulled up on his computer. Here. Okay. What is, oh, I see, I see, oh, I see, I see, I see. Okay. The, the <laughs> glare, like the, the, the quality of the image was making it difficult. Lewis is showing basically a meme that has on one side everybody celebrating Link's like birthday, birthday. basically and but, then on the other then, side it's Sam was alone and yeah with their own little cupcake little so like the cake yeah. is like a triforce it's big and all of Mario all the Nintendo characters are you know like throwing them like a big birthday bash and then and Samus is all by herself with her own little birthday hat like a little cone <laughs> and she's looking sad and like she's turned she's the same age as Link and <laughs> no one shows her love I, I do just want to say something here, by the way, which is that I have a theory about Metroid uh, over the next like year or two or three years, like however long it takes for, you know, we got Dread now and then Prime 4 coming out. Um, I think Metroid might have some kind of rebirth over the next few years on the Switch because the Switch is a console that a lot of people that had kind of fallen off of Nintendo are coming back to. Uh, and it's also a console that is reaching a wider audience than the console before it did. It is a console that might reach an even wider audience than the Wii did. And it's a more like, I don't want to call it a more hardcore audience, but it seems to be a more engaged audience than the audience of the Wii. Like the Wii might have sold 100 million units. But a lot of those units were people that basically just owned Wii Sports or Wii Fit or something like that and then weren't really consuming all of the Nintendo's first party games uh, versus the Switch has more of a dedicated, a little bit more hardcore of a fan base and it's already at 80 plus million units. Uh, so I think, Lewis, that uh, Metroid Dread and Metroid Prime 4 have the potential of becoming the highest selling Metroid games ever. It's not a very hard uh, bar to clear. The mm-hmm. highest selling Metroid game is Metroid Prime at 2.84 million units. Mm-hmm. That's probably the reason why I, uh, Nintendo doesn't put out a lot of Metroid products because they're, you know, like Metroid Fusion uh, was 1.6 million. Super Metroid for the Super Nintendo was 1.4 million. These aren't like, these aren't even Zelda numbers and Zelda numbers aren't even that high. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean they are high, but not like, you know, yeah. they're not Mario hard or Pokemon high. Yeah. These aren't Zelda numbers. Zelda numbers are not Mario numbers, which Mario numbers are not Mario Kart numbers, <laughs> you know, like, so... 
um, there, there's like, there's a scale there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say like the most success Metroid has ever, or the most success Samus has ever seen in her life has been in being in Smash. Yeah. Which yeah, is probably, probably true for almost true. every franchise. Let's be, let's be real here. But you know, I, I, I do think Metroid is a very special franchise though. It's very beloved and it has a very um unique place in Nintendo's lineup because I think it is like, it is the only game off of this, off, off its genre and style and mood within Nintendo's lineup of first party games. And at the same time, like it kind of appeals to a more, like older audience, I would say than than most of the other Nintendo games do, which is probably why it sells less than the games that appeal to a wider audience. Uh, but I think it's important for Nintendo to have that game as well, you know. So I'm very excited to see the the franchise hit the Switch. Hopefully, it will sell more than it did in the past, and hopefully, that means we're gonna get more Metroid games in the future. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. And uh, that that's that's it for the show today, Lewis. You can uh, sing us sing us out. <laughs> It is time to end. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Press Play. Remember, you can reach the podcast at readyplaynetwork.com or simply at Ready Press Play on Twitter or TikTok. I'm on Twitter at the Dan Lima and Lewis at Chocolaka88. Don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, tell your friends about the show, and all that good stuff. See ya. Peace. <laughs>